0: just so fun to be introduced you're like, who is that person? Wow <laughs> and you're like oh I guess that's me but um, <laughs> and you know the last time I was introduced um, uh, they said, yeah, a long time ago when she taught I mean just the way she said it was like way back and it's like gosh I just feels like it was just yesterday I was teaching you know those elementary kids but anyway it is just such a pleasure and I can't tell you how wonderful it's been to just feel the hospitality of this church and to meet so many wonderful women and uh, so thank you so much for hosting us and for just being that example of serving um, serving us so anyway we'll go ahead and get started and um, It's just been a privilege to have this weekend to talk about the sufficiency of God's Word. I hope all of us have been grounded in that, and I am looking forward to helping us all connect and apply God's Word more effectively in our personal ministries, and she just said, my name is Stacy Proust, and I'm a member at Brand Baptist Church, and I'm humbled, very humbled, and honored to be asked to speak about personal ministry, which is that face-to-face relational aspect of ministry. And it is in the context of these relationships that we have the privilege to minister God's word to a person who is struggling with the effects of personal sin or suffering in order to help them change from the inside out. And this approach relies on sufficiency, authority, and relevancy of of Scripture, so before we get started, um, and I know it's it's kind of a different setting in here, but you know, what are some of those ministry opportunities that women we have that you have right now? And maybe you can just kind of uh, interact here and just say what what are some of those things that we have those opportunities for ministry? Oh, perfect, one-on-one discipling. Others? Older women, younger women, mentoring? Mentoring. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Mentoring, other things. I know. <laughs> and, and,
1: uh, and our kids, they,
0: they're singing
1: every day just like us. And we yeah. To, we them and
0: them. Well, and that's kind of what I want to just, I, I really want to get us across is that there's just this ministry opportunity every single place that you are placed. And um, so whether it is that discipling, being home and in. Um, biblical counseling, mentoring, spiritual friendships, or parenting, we can all grow. And that's the thing that spoke to me, too, is that I can be better after being at this conference. I mean, God wants us to progressively grow in our ministries. So um, wherever you are, that's hopefully we can grow. Okay, well, I think the Apostle Paul puts personal ministry into a great context in 2 Corinthians 5.20 where he uses the term ambassadors for Christ to describe our personal mission in the faith. This will be what I will be talking about as we look at how God's sufficient word shapes our role as an ambassador of Christ. And we will be looking at ambassadorship through four lenses. First, we will begin with the centrality of the gospel and how that must be central to everything we do. Second, we will consider our call as an ambassador, including our identity, privileges, responsibilities, and God's provision. Next, we will look at a quick summary for a ministry model for having an ambassador mindset and lifestyle. And finally I will share more about what an ambassador looks like through the life of someone who has an who has had an impact on my life who lived her life as an ambassador for Christ. So the big takeaway for our time together is that we have tremendous ministry opportunities within our immediate spe- spheres. God uses every relationship for his redemptive purposes. And in an Ephesians 4.12 tells us that the work of ministry is for building up the body of Christ to mature manhood. Basically, we are all expected to grow and change, and he does this transforming work in relationships. God will use these ministry moments in our lives as well. Every sin-exposing, grace abounding, and God-glorifying experience gives us the opportunity to join others in praising his glorious name. So before we get into our four focus areas, let's answer the question, what is an ambassador? Simply put, a United States ambassador represents the president in an official capacity in foreign nations and communities. They are charged with protecting and promoting national interests Maintaining diplomacy, organizing visits, welcoming visitors, and supporting resolutions. Only the president can nominate ambassadors. While we might not be a U.S. ambassador anytime soon, we have been nominated by the King of Kings to represent his purposes, protect his interests, visit and welcome those he places in our lives as we support his resolutions and promote his message And just like the president, he alone does the choosing, and we are to be faithful to his call. So turn with me to your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5. This letter to the Corinthian church was written by Paul from Macedonia. It's quite autobiographical and personal. Here you get a real-life glimpse of what ministry life looks like. And from this chapter, we can see Paul's ministry was given and entrusted to him by God. I think those are key words, given and entrusted. And he was accountable. So our ministries, we are accountable to God. Paul's aim was to please him. His new identity as a new creation compelled him in love to persuade others with the gospel message of reconciliation, which leads us to 520. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore, implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. As a new creation in Christ, this should be our purpose, motivation, Ministry and message as well. So let's go ahead and get started with our first point, which is the centrality of the gospel to all that we do. And I've just loved every message um, that I've heard from last night, even in the prayers. It's all been about the gospel. So um, we get it again. (laughs) To illustrate this, my husband and I just recently returned from a nine day biking trip in the Netherlands. And when traveling in big European cities, the most important stop is the central train station, which is the hub or connector to essentially all travel. In Amsterdam, the Grand Central Station, that's what it's called, connected you to boat, train, bus. It had food, Starbucks, stores, bathrooms, Starbucks, information on flights. Did I mention Starbucks? (laughs) This was also a connecting spot to meet others in our group. Well, the cross is our grand central station for all of history. Everything is connected to this event. Everything in the Old Testament looks forward to it, and everything in the New Testament looks back to it. Jesus must be at the center of everything we are, say, and do. This is the heart of personal ministry as an ambassador. Connecting the good news of the Redeemer into our lives and the lives of those we serve. Let this be a warning. If you're feeling weary, anxious, frustrated, and even angry, maybe you have left Jesus behind. It's time to reorientate and go back to that Grand Central Station. Go back to the glorious gospel. Remember, the gospel is the good news, of Jesus Christ. We've been made in God's image to know him. We are separated from God in our sin. God is holy and just and will punish us for our sins. In love, he sent his only son to live in perfect obedience, a life that none of us could have could could live. He died a substitutionary death, taking all of God's wrath. He was raised from the dead, proving that his sacrifice was accepted. All who pr- repent and believe are those whom he has died. He ascended to heaven, and we now wait for his second coming. That is our message of reconciliation, and that is what a suffering, sin-cursed world needs to hear. Look at how Paul and us can keep the gospel central. In Romans 1.1, he knew he was being set apart. In Romans 1.16, he was not ashamed and he knew the power of the cr- cross for, the sel- for salvation. In Philippians 1.12, he knew that all that happened to him was to advance the gospel. And, you know, I think everybody can look in their lives and not sometimes understand what's going on. But if you kind of remember that everything, everything that has happened to you is to advance the gospel. His thoughts and preaching were about Christ crucified. That's found in 1 Corinthians 2.2 2 and one twenty three. Paul is loud and clear. We preach Christ crucified, the cross. This is the theme of the whole Bible. The Bible has one unified story, and that is a redemptive story. Through creation, fall, redemption, and consummation, we are participants in the greatest story ever, redemption. Um, so, I have a question, and hopefully you can kind of dialogue with me here, but what are some of your greatest struggles in ministry time? What does make you weary or frustrated or tired? So, if you could just have some courage and share a couple things, that'd be great. Does anybody get weary? Tired? Yeah, go ahead. People, yes! <laughs> yeah, People. Noel Yeah Yes, the same, the same thing, yes, good. Oh, wow, yeah,
1: that's
0: no, I and you're right about that perfection, no, thank you for saying that'cause that's that's a big one. the expectations that we put on our our ministries and our our um our children and the people that we love are there anything else, yeah. Yeah, the same people kind of feeling weary because um, it's always the same people. No, everybody else is kind of sitting <laughs> watching. <laughs> that's good. Uh huh. Right oh, that's great. Yes. Uh, actually applying the scripture, knowing exactly what word to put in there. No. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I it happens all the time. Yeah, that's great. Well, and then, you know what? Those were really good. So, we've seen the same theme over and over. Perfection, expectations, being weary, having the same the same thing over and over and over. How do you think the gospel can encourage those of us that do get weary in that? What what message? Yeah. Thank you, and you know what? A lot of times, those feelings reveal more about what we want, not what God wants, and that God is long suffering with His reconcili plan of reconciliation. So, thank you. But remember, go back to the gospel. We need it first before we can minister, especially if you're if you're in in discipling people. We need to have it first. It's our identity. So now we're going to go to our second focus of area, which which is our calling. So Paul in 1 Corinthians tells his readers to consider their calling. I want us to consider four areas of our calling, our qualifications, privileges, responsibilities, and resources. The Corinthian church, like many in our day, is both deeply flawed and greatly loved they were influenced by their culture and its emphasis on wisdom rhetoric position and power so imagine what it was like when paul asked them to consider their qualifications First corinthians 1 corinthians 126 through 27 for consider your calling brothers not many of you were wise according to worldly standards not many were powerful not many were of noble birth But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Paul considered his qualifications. In Philippians, he provides an impressive list of qualifications, but counted them rubbish. In 1 Timothy, he called himself chief of sinners. He was a blasphemer, persecutor, acted in ignorance and unbelief. After he came to Christ, he continued to struggle with indwelling sin. So, as we consider our qualifications, remember, he chooses the unqualified. I, that is my best, that is the best news. (laughs) Because in my case, he even can choose a girl who is not particularly gifted according to worldly standards, was born to a single mom, had a broken childhood with the effects of poverty and divorce, who was divorced at 23, who was ashamed of her sinful past of immorality and moralism, who was infertile, struggled, and still struggles with indwelling sin, wants to please God, but still loves to please self, worries, gossips, and experiences hot flashes. (laughs) Don't mock the suffering, young ones. This is a girl who desperately needs to be reminded that the good news from 2 Timothy 1, nine, he saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And that was 2 Timothy 1, nine. That's really good. So you are qualified because of your identity in Christ. Our new status as sanctified and saints is not based upon our work, but upon the work of another. Our identity is sure because it was given to us by someone else. And consider, so now I want you to consider some of your privileges in, in this calling. And my husband, he's a excellent um, communicator. And so, of course, he was ha- helping me editing this and and uh i had a lot of rabbit trails and he you know highlighted with that yellow however they do it in the computer and you know put his little notes like consider this and you know i had a lot of lists and he's like so on this he had he put overkill you know he put overkill question mark and honestly i did not take this out so just listen just listen <laughs> these are your privileges and i need to hear my privileges in Romans 1-6, we're called to belong to Jesus Christ. In Romans 8-28, those he called, he justified. In 9-26, we are called his people. In eleven twenty nine, it's an irre- irrevocable call. Uh, we're called into the fellowship of his son. In Galatians, we're called in the grace of Christ. We're called to freedom. We're called in one body. Um, in First Thessalonians, we're called into His own kingdom and glory. And in Hebrews, we share in a heavenly calling. In Second Peter, we're called. He called us to His own glory and excellence. In First John three one, we're called children of God. In Jude one, we're called beloved. And Ephesians one18 were called to know the hope of the riches of his glorious inheritance and immeasurable greatness of his power. So those are great. And then with great privileges come great responsibilities. Consider some of your responsibilities. In Ephesians 4 1, we're to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. That's with humility, gentleness, patience. Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. In Philippians three fourteen, it's an upward call. In First Peter, uh, he who called you is holy, so be holy in all your conduct. It's also a costly call. In First Peter two twenty one, it says, for this, for to this you've been called. Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Look in look in 2 Corinthians 11:24 if you have your bibles right there. Cuz Paul has a good he was a he he knew the the costliness of his call. Okay, he suffered imprisonments, countless beatings, near death. 5 times he received 40 lashes less one. Three times beaten with rods. He was stoned. Three times shipwrecked. He was night and day adrift at sea. He had frequent journeys in danger. And here are all the things he was in danger of. Rivers. Robbers. His own people. Gentiles. He was in the, um, he, was, he had danger in the city. Had danger in wilderness at sea from false brothers. And he had toil and hardship. He, and I like this one, Through many a sleepless night. (laughs) He had hunger, thirst, often without food, cold, exposure, and daily anxiety for all the churches. And if that wasn't enough, he was given a thorn in the flesh. So while God gives us privileged calling with great responsibilities, he provides us with tremendous resources and provision. And I could list hundreds of promises, but, you know, I had to cut it down a little bit. Um, but I want to leave one with you, and this is what Jesus says to Paul. Second Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So now we get to discuss a little bit. How can, um, why do you think it's important to remember that he calls the unqualified? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. It does keep us humble. Good. Others? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's what he keeps saying, you know. So, that we, so we can only boast in the Lord. Yeah. So, yeah, it can go both ways. Either we can feel, you know, if we think we're more qualified, then we go in our strength and we want the glory, which I've done that many, many a times. And then, or we can feel so unqualified that, oh, I can't go and minister to that person because I don't have the skills. So it keeps us, it's actually pride on both sides. So... Okay, and then how would, um how would just knowing some of those privileges and those responsibilities, how would that encourage you in your calling? Does anybody, we've heard a lot about that. Uh-huh. Oh. Oh, thank you. I need I need to hear that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. Yeah yeah and no that i i needed to hear that too and that you know just and, and a lot of times we don't realize that the seeds that we might put in somebody's life by just ministering to them sometimes it takes a lifetime for that seed to really you know sprout so we can't we really don't know what god's doing um, but we know that he he's faithful so thank you okay um So we've looked at the centrality of the gospel, our calling in Christ, and now we will look at our third lens, which is a ministry model. To help put all this together, one of the books that I've been required to read in my studies and found very helpful is by Paul Tripp, called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hand. Tripp highlights four ways to serve as an ambassador in someone's life. The four elements are love, know, speak and do let's begin with love love which is the foundation of all ministry first john 419 we love because because he first loved us we want to build loving involvement in order to develop a meaningful relationship with another person to minister god's word in his or her life how do we show love as an How do we show love as an ambassador? Here are a few steps. Enter their world. Seek to understand their struggles. Jesus entered our world to demonstrate his love for us. Paul labored tirelessly for those he ministered. And in Acts 20, he reminds the Ephesians of the three years he admonished everyone with tears. Another step is to show love. Um, another step is to show love. One list is found in Colossians three, and uh, Paul says, "Put on then compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with another, with one another, forgiving, and above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony." We can also identify with suffering. I like this quote, shared sorrow is endurable sorrow. And I think everybody knows when you've gone through a hard time, just having somebody be there makes, I mean, it's just such a, a grace, a, a gift. A biblical counselor, Robert Kelman, calls it climbing in the casket with someone. It's important to, and then it's also important to share your suffering and your story, but remember to tell them how God helped you. This might be a great place to have those who have suffered minister to others. Finally, learn how to give biblical hope, conveying conveying an assurance that God is working good for our lives and for his glory and our growth in Christ. And here are some great verses on hope: First Peter one three, Romans fifteen four, and Romans eight twenty four through thirty nine. Let's take a quick look at what it means to know. This is getting acquainted with the people God sends our way. In biblical counseling, this would be gathering data to understand what is below the surface or or those heart issues. Not just behavior, but thinking and desires. It's important to understand people to help them. We need to ask good questions and listen intently so we can respond with Christ-like love, compassion, and a commitment to help. One of the highlights in our trip, um, of our trip in Amsterdam was a tour of Anne Frank's hiding place. Anne Frank was a German-Jewish teenager who was forced to go into hiding during the Holocaust, She and her family, along with four others, spent over two years during World War II hiding in an annex of rooms above her father's office in Amsterdam. After the war, her diary was published. Otto Frank was her father. He had discovered her diary, and there was one quote I thought was very poignant after he read her diary. So he quotes, It was quite a different Anne than I had known as my daughter. She never really showed this kind of inner feeling. She talked about many things. We criticized many things. But what really her feelings were, I could see, I could only see from the diary. And my conclusion is, as I had been in very, very good terms with Anne, that most parents don't real don't know really their children. So I think this is a great reminder that we need to take time to really understand people to help them. Now to speak. This is about connecting God's truth and resources to bear on this person in this situation to stimulate faith and obedience in all areas of life. We speak God's word to comfort, to encourage, guide, and confront, always bringing gospel hope. God's word is sufficient. Let's look at this verse again. 2 Timothy three sixteen. All scripture is profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And verse 17, so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. And then what a great psalm. Psalms nineteen seven. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So, a few steps to consider: pray. We want to ask God to provide love, courage, compassion, and wisdom. It is so important to be humble and examine our own hearts before speaking. I wish I'd learned. I wish I'd learned that lesson. Um, we all have our biases and our agendas, so be careful. You are, you are Christ's ambassador representing him and his message. Gospel love never overlooks sin, never overlooks sin, but lovingly confronts it for the restoration, for God's restoration and reconciliation. And the final element in Paul Tripp's model is do. We want to encourage people to put the word of God into practice in their daily life. What does it look like practically? James 1.22 says, "But be doers of the word and not hearers only." And this is where I shared the story this morning. But my girlfriend and I um, drove here last night, and Erica, she had the navsys, you know, the nav system, and she is telling me before we get to these roundabouts, she goes. Oh Stacy, you've got these roundabouts and she's going now what you're gonna want to do and she's telling me exactly what I'm gonna have to do and I'm like, oh you know and I'm scared and um and so <laughs> so we're going through and so then but what was so great is that she is with me and she is encouraging me the whole time and she's like you're doing it and I'm like whoa and then it's like, oh no, there's another one and she's like, you know, giving me that training, but she's giving me that step by step by step. Well, this morning I am driving by myself and guess who is not using a nav system. Who's doing it? I am like, I am doing it. And I could get through those four, those four roundabouts. And so that's that practical step by step by step. I mean, I think What I want to do, especially with my kids, is say, okay, you need to go to college and you need to have a 4.0, period. I forget that there's steps, there's steps, there's encouragement, there's, you know, all of that. So we just want to help people to practically, what does it look like to put on Christ? So, okay, Um, one of the quotes that really struck me from the book Instruments is that we would prefer to lob grenades of truth into people's lives rather than lay down our lives for them. And I'll say that one more time. We would prefer to lob grenades of truth into people's lives rather than lay down our lives for them. And so our little discussion is, what do you think that means? And then also... um, yeah, let's just, and I'll ask the next question in a second. So what do you think that means, to lob grenades of truth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank, no, that's so perfect. That is really, that's really good. Any other Level of commitment. That's right. Yeah. On both those, you know, our family lived in Switzerland, and I don't know if you, um, the Swiss have this, like, I can't explain it, but they'll let you know when you're doing something wrong. (laughs) And every day there would be, you know, and I wouldn't even know what I was doing wrong because rules are so important and things run so efficiently. And, again, you would just it would, it just would horrify me because it's like, I don't even know what I'm doing wrong. And and uh, so that's that lobbing truth, you know, that grenaded truth. So, okay. So, and then also, maybe, um, what is a practical way of loving someone, entering in their world? Does somebody, I know in, that, in the first night, we came up with like even just a texting. How do you, How can you practically love someone to start to build that relationship? And it's nice to hear from a couple different people just to get different ideas. Yeah. Oh, Oh, meals. Nothing speaks love like food. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that is so perfect. Using the gifts that might seem funny to others, but can bring God glory. So she picks weeds and um trims bushes. But that's love. I mean, that is love. Collette. You know, um, so many times people share their burdens with us and we will say that we'll pray for them. Oh.
1: Yes, oh my gosh.
0: I just, that's great. And that intentional. When you're going to say you're going to pray, stop. We have those those alerts now. And then follow up. Thank you so much. Oh. I mean, I'll remember, but I'll remember the No, thank you very much. Okay. What about um, knowing? What's something practical we can do to get to know people better? This is a harder one. Uh huh. Yeah, lots of questions, right? And that's really great. And you know that book. And I'm not trying to sell that book, but it it it's helpful because it has really good questions to ask and to be a good listener. On um, The instruments in the Redeemer's hand. Yep, thanks for clarifying, asking that question. Okay, let's move to the final lens of being an ambassador and how these elements, and that's another key thought, is that these elements are not, steps like oh step 1 i need to love oh step if they're embedded it's it's one they're all elements they're all part of the a person's intentional life so um how these let's look at how these elements are embedded and lived out ambassadors for christ truly do impact others by leaving a legacy It is in the context of relationships that God changes and grows us for his purposes and glory. One woman who illustrates this for me is a woman named Betty King. I don't know. Does anybody know who she is? Yeah, there's one. Yeah, there's four or five. Okay. Um, Betty is 91. She truly models what it looks like to be an ambassador for Christ. Betty was raised in a Christian home and came to know Christ at the age of 12. She was bathed in the gospel and took her call seriously. And she um, always shared her testimony. Everybody knew her testimony, so she always remembered who she was. And she determined to live for Christ. She was married to a godly man and raised three sons. She was gifted in teaching and led a large women's weekly bible study for 40 years at her local church she was a faithful learner and courageously and unapologetically spoke truth to hundreds of women she was a very popular retreat speaker she loved women and would use these retreats as ministry opportunities to minister the gospel giving hope and counsel to suffering and struggling women She was the last to go to sleep and the first to wake up. It was her role as a Bible teacher that first drew me to her. We had moved back we had just moved back to Michigan and adopted our second baby and I found a refuge in her Bible study. I actually drove all the way from Clarkston and she was in Southfield. Her confidence and the word of God was what this young mom needed. Our family moved again, but Betty still ministered to me through tapes and eventually CDs. She was quite a gifted Bible teacher, and each CD scattered the good seeds of truth and love into my heart. Moving back to Michigan five years later was a very difficult time. I reached out to Betty. We hadn't really talked personally, but I was desperate, so I reached out to Betty, and in God's grace, she opened her home and started another group, the Doctrinal Dolls, and she named every single group, and one big takeaway is she was 80, and she had a um, full-time Bible, you know, teaching ministry, and she had lots of other ministries, but at 80, she still was being intentional in opening up her home. So we met and learned the doctrines of faith from this uh, Pastor Slavin, who was an old, you know, he had been long gone, and uh, she had these tapes turned into CDs. So we had listened to all these doctrines of faith and learned about sin and about God and the Trinity. So we would sit there. And these precious monthly visits grew our love for God and each other as we encouraged each other in our faith. I moved again, but when I came back, we resumed our time together. During this new season of life, our family had much struggle and suffering with one of our children. And it was just very dark, dark, dark days. And God, yet God used um, med, uh, Betty mightily. In sacrificial love, she entered into our world. She made herself available. She would ask discerning questions. Sometimes I felt so exposed, I would want to hide in shame. But she would pursue me with gentleness, love, and truth. Because I knew she loved me, I was able to trust her with the fine china of my life. Betty incarnated Christ to me in my greatest need. One time, she looked straight in my eyes and said, You are worth it. Those are words I will never forget. Well, I'm going to move fast. I'm going to fast forward. It's going on two years since Betty moved from her home into a senior living apartment. She has begun her final journey home. She continues to model Christ to me, but in a new way. Now, I have the privilege of serving and walking this journey with her. I get to practically live out and experience Christ as I remind her of the glories of heaven. I get to be with her and remember with her the things of the past. I also get to encourage her in the hard things that she faces. And, you know, this stage, it's hard. Um, The shower is hard. All these new experiences of this this season of life. And, um, yeah, I get to walk with her in this. I get to tell her how much Jesus loves her and I love her. And let her know she is worth it, because he is worth it. So, if you are in Christ, you are an ambassador. We have looked at being Christ's ambassador through four lenses. We first saw that the gospel must be central to everything we do. Secondly, we considered our call in Christ. Third, we looked at a ministry model of love know, speak, do, and finally, we saw the impact of living as an ambassador, and so it's just been such a privilege to get to share with you, and and just thank you so much, and I'll, I'll just quick pray, and then um, I just have one quick little announcement afterwards, so